they are amazing people, always have been. Um, this is another opportunity to demonstrate that. Welcome to Compassion, Courage, Consolation. Voices for St Vincent's during COVID-19. In this podcast, we're talking to people who love St Vincent's, love our staff and love the service we provide in health and aged care. We're doing this to support our compassion for one another and those we serve, bolster our courage in this extraordinary time and provide consolation amidst the challenges we're facing. And whilst prepared for St Vincent's, we're sharing this series with anyone who might find it helpful. If you're joining us from outside of our services, consider yourself part of the family. You are very welcome indeed. My name is Dan Fleming, and I lead Ethics and Formation for St Vincent's. And in this episode, it gives me great joy to welcome Darlene Dreis, Chair of St Vincent's Reconciliation Action Plan. And Darlene, in lieu of a studio today, Given that we're all in self-isolation, you're in a wonderfully creative place for our conversation. Could you tell us where you are right now? Sure, Dan. My studio for today is actually my walk-in wardrobe. (laughs) Surrounded as I am by my finery and handbags, it's a comfortable spot. Oh, that's wonderful and beautiful for the sound quality, might I say, as well. Darlene, oh, great. could we start with your telling us a bit about your role at St Vincent's? It's a unique role in our organisation and I expect it's unique across health and aged care in Australia as well. Tell us a bit about what you get up to. Sure. Well, my official title, Dan, is the Chair of the St Vincent's Health Australia Reconciliation Action Plan Steering Committee. I work with a wonderful group of Indigenous leaders and non-Indigenous leaders, and our work actually asks us to monitor, to commit to supporting uh, work in the area of reconciliation. Our faith tradition, this is part of its DNA. We know that, reconciliation. Mm. And it takes on a little bit of a different meaning um, in the global commercial context. For us, reconciliation has always been about building relationships of respect, right relationships. And so our commitment calls us to look at our organisation, look at ways that we can actually embed our work in reconciliation as part of our wider mission work Mm. and look for opportunities to um, work with our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in various capacities throughout the organisation. And... I guess many organisations in the past have had this goodwill and great energy to do so, but our Reconciliation Action Plan actually calls us to commit to this. Mm. We are accountable. We are accountable to our staff and to their communities, and we are uh, accountable in our governance structures as well. Mm. And Darlene, in that context, I mean, this is a unique role. It's something that I'm extraordinarily proud of that we do here at St Vincent's under your leadership and with all of the others who you co-lead with. In this context we're facing right now, the COVID-19 pandemic, when you look around our organisation, the world at this moment in time, what are you seeing? What I see is a ramping up of energy, and perhaps I should have said what I feel. There's a, a, a new characteristic of the energy around us, um, and I guess that comes from being in a place or a space of the unknown. 
What I see from our Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people uh, is a wonderful approach to caring for each other that is continuing, even in light of social activities being postponed and cancelled. Um, there are some incredible networks that have been set up organically uh, for people to touch base with each other. So I know that's happening out in community and I'm sure our staff have also got those sorts of systems enabled. I feel almost an electric energy. Mm. Um, people are rising to the challenge of this time, whether they are in the front line of the clinical care or whether they are in the front line of the home with children, uh, you know, appeasing those anxieties and mm. concerns. So I think we are ramping up culturally. Mm. Uh, there will come a time when we also flatten the curve or plateau with that energy, but I, th I think we're in that ramping up stage. We want to do what is right. We want to do what is best. Uh, still got some questions around that perhaps, but we want to act for the greater community. Yeah. Now, Darlene, you've been in the St Vincent's family for a while now, serving at our Toowoomba Hospital and now in your role as Chair of the St Vincent's Reconciliation Action Plan. Is there a story that comes to mind for you? And a big part of this series, as you know, is, is sharing stories. And I know that you, like other guests we have on, are a great storyteller. Is there a story that comes to mind for you from your experience at St Vincent's which holds together those three great values and those great words and themes that are part of the, this podcast series, compassion, courage and consolation? Uh, Dan, I will... Um I would like to share a story, and it's it's actually about how I got to be here very quickly. Wonderful. Because I think Wonderful. that speaks to the heart of this work. It's not about actually just coming to be in a place or an organisation, but the reason for staying as well. So I, I, I often tell people that I applied for my initial position as a mission leader in a private hospital as a result of being a patient and a recipient of care. Mm. So... Um, this is part of our life journey for everyone. There are times when you're going to need compassionate care in a clinical setting and you have options for that. I, I, just, I just want to say that the clinical care that my family uh, received and also the spiritual care just as importantly in a time of great hardship and great sadness really formed my thinking about what it might mean to serve in a healthcare ministry. So not really knowing much about St Vincent's except the care that I received as a patient really inspired me to apply for the mission leader role, which I was successful in attaining. Um, so that's as far as the compassion, um, courage and consolation, I, I credit the staff that cared for me and my family reaching out, there is care that you can receive and then there is another kind of care that just goes beyond um, what any person can do, I think. There's courage around difficult conversations that needed to take place and uh, also risky procedures that needed to be carried out. And there's also a consolation in looking back now about because of that care and that journey, can actually look back on that time in quite a positive way. Um, which may not have been the case um, in another context. I also think about, and this is a this was 
an interesting time in a role as a mission leader, um, looking at the effects of clergy abuse and religious abuse from um, religious men and women. And a couple of staff, once this had been broken open, discussed, there was a sense in the broader community that people could come forward. And that had been taking place for quite some time. Um, Just being approached by two staff members, older staff members, and them personally sharing their stories. So there'd been enough of a relationship built up. These men had decided to come and speak to me one-on-one. They were suffering still many, many years after these incidents had occurred with them. They were suffering perhaps even more so because of the constant media attention being given to the issue. Uh, It grew from a those two gentlemen telling their stories and finding some relief with that, I think, in just that sharing. And so I think that there was compassion extended on both our parts with that, in the sharing and the listening, Uh, the courage in, in encouraging those gentlemen to take this further through the channels that were being promoted if they wished to. And that was a sticking point for many, many months. Um, It was almost as though the wound had been opened for them again in their lives, spent a lot of time talking to their partners, their spouses uh, and other family members, but they felt unable to go further through the formal processes. So just in speaking to management and other members of the executive team, we looked at alternate ways of supporting those men at that time. So it was a good learning, and I think that it it speaks to when you become mature in your thinking and in the processes of the workplace. We knew that there were systems, formal systems set up. Um, We knew that they could tell their story to a wider audience if they wished to, in privacy, um, with every concern for their well-being, but they chose not to. And for a person in my role as a mission leader, there was a great liberation in letting that go for them, being guided by them. It didn't have to go further. Um, And we also supported them in other ways. That's extraordinary, Darlene, both of those stories. And if I could just pick up on, on a theme that I think runs through both of them, your own personal experience of receiving care at St Vincent's and then the experience of these remarkable people uh, coming to you with their vulnerability. It strikes me that in both what makes compassion and consolation uh, happen, what the, the condition of possibility for compassion and, and consolation, if I can put it that way, is is the courage to actually see and respond to the vulnerability of the people in front of the care staff at a particular point in time. Would that be a fair way of putting it? Yes, and I, I think what goes along with that, though, Dan, is a, a capacity to be broken down, to actually... When I shared my story, it got to a point where some people might say, you know, you're at the end of it, you've had enough, broken down. 
to be rebuilt and reshaped and reformed and transformed. And I think that was also the same for these gentlemen. Um, They were broken down by this heaviness on their shoulders that they had carried for so long. Uh, In sharing their story, they were able to then think about moving past it Mm. and not just being viewed as that story. Yes, and so it's out of the, the uncertainty and the ceasing of, of business as usual, that, that healing can actually occur in that sense. Yes, I, I think that openness to that healing could occur. Mm. You know, we see this, stand amongst our staff, wonderful people, and in society in general, our leaders even, we're starting to see this in the media, with some of their communication, the way that they're talking to the cameras, the way that some of them just look exhausted and mm. tired. It's, you know, peop- there comes a point people's energies are starting to wane. Yes, it's, all, it's almost as if, I mean, what you're pointing us towards is this sense of the mutual vulnerability that exists at this time, especially accentuated, something that you've experienced in your own care, something that that beautiful story you shared about the two men coming to you and the team at St Vincent's also shows that this mutual vulnerability starting to open up and out of that hopefulness can come, but it, it does require a kind of, um, I don't know, a brokenness uh, as well and an honestness about that brokenness too. I remember talking to a senior leader many years ago who actually expressed great difficulty with the thought of them being open to such vulnerability. Mm. Um, it wasn't part of who they felt they were, the message that they'd always had was, you know, the leader is strong. The reader, the leader does not show those vulnerabilities. That's not the job of the leader. Um, you keep that to the side. You worry about that at home. Uh, so I, for some people, I think it, it can be quite a long journey to get to that point. And strangely enough, as I'm relating this, I'm, I'm thinking of this wonderful sign I see when I go past a local church, let go and let God, mm. that point of letting go. Mm. Um, for some people, it may never occur to enable moving through and transformation, and that's okay, but uh, something to be very mindful of in these times. Yeah, Absolutely. Darlene, you're in the the privileged position of uh, being close to and having ongoing dialogue with many of the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander staff around St Vincent's and with the community more broadly. What kinds of questions and concerns are you picking up from them at this particular moment in history? It's actually been very interesting uh, keeping in touch with some of our Indigenous leaders here and in community and seeing the practices that they're adopting, which I must say are very common sense, uh, no thinking, you know, second-guessing, but just, for example, ceasing elders' activities, uh, but then someone or even elders themselves being tasked with doing the ring-around uh, mm. weekly at least or twice a week, staying connected. I, I've been... I wouldn't say surprised or delighted because I, I, I commend the actions of these groups, but it's almost when this virus and the news of this virus and what it could mean hit, almost from that point, it was like a turning inwards by the community. Mm. Uh, media reports started coming out of the Northern Territory, you know, wanting to limit access to those communities, very sensible approach. 
um, warding students in particular, keeping them safe. How are they going to be quarantined in remote areas and on the islands? Very sensible. There's been a a frenetic energy outside, and it's almost like the opposite I see has been occurring in community. It's been a quiet but quick and swift call to arms, call to preserving our energy. There was a wonderful show on NITV the other night, and the two presenters uh, made a very good statement. They said, come on, you mob, you know, it's going to be laughter and love that gets us through this. Mm. We've always known that, Mm. laughter and love. Um, and seeing some of the YouTube posts that are going up around the place. So in a time when we are, it's a serious time, but there's also room for that uh, humour. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people have been masters of using humour and sharing cultural jokes, as it were. Also very mindful, though, of our elders and our people who are afflicted with multiple comorbidities and chronic illnesses, uh, you know, it's it's about being very sensible about their care and following whatever clinical advice is given to keep them safe. Darlene, at, at a time like this, as uh, you as an individual with your beautiful family there up in Brisbane face this moment, what is it that consoles that you and what gives you courage? I guess it's the fact that what you're bombarded with in the media can be quite rattling. But when you actually break it down and look at statistics, which I feel are quite accurate and up-to-date, it puts things into perspective. I myself have a chronic respiratory illness, so my sensitivities around this are heightened. Also, my call to self-care is heightened. So, you know, it is being sensible. It's it's having the strength to explain to teenage daughters why things have to change and how they will be changing. Um, and to their credit, they've gone along with that mostly without kicking up too much of a fuss. It's harder. It's hard for that, that age group. Um, so fortunate to be working for an organisation where I can work for home and that has been an option open to me for even a little while before this this big wave of illness has come through. So I know that I'm cared about as Darlene, as Darlene in a formal role, um, and just it's not just the role, the work of the role that's important, but it's how it's Darlene's wellness and health through the journey as well. Mm. Um, and we're just trying to be sensible, listening to the advice. That's wonderful. Darlene, thank you so much for spending some time uh, with me today talking and I I hope that this will reach many of the ears of the staff around St Vincent's and maybe others out in the community as well. I've got a final question for you which uh, we're asking everybody who comes on the podcast and that is if our staff are listening, what is it that you'd like to say to them at this time? Quite simply, I'd like to say keep up the amazing work that you do. Um, It's interesting seeing the language in media, the superheroes emerging, you know, not all the heroes wear capes, some wear PPE. I think our our people, in whatever role they have, clinical or non-clinical, are working to the best of their ability in challenging times. And as much as that is hard and it is draining, I, I trust that our people are also given an opportunity to flourish somewhat 
in these circumstances with this delivery of care um, and ongoing concern. So they are amazing people, always have been. Um, this is another opportunity to demonstrate that uh, and to bring out other talents and gifts with working with wider teams perhaps and working under different pressure. But um, I hope that they stay well. I hope that their families are well and that they can manage to maintain a balance of all those different aspects of their lives at this time. Darlene Dreis, thank you so much for coming on the show to talk with us today. Dan Fleming, a pleasure. You've been listening to Compassion, Courage, Consolation. Voices for St Vincent's during COVID-19. This podcast series has been developed by St Vincent's Health Australia. For more information about St Vincent's, visit www.svha.org.au. The music for this podcast comes from Kevin McLeod. His track, Bittersweet, let us in, and you can hear his track, Touching Moments, one now. Kevin's website is incompetech.filmmusic.io and the music is brought to you under the Creative Commons 4.0 license. All of this information and more is provided in the text accompanying this podcast. Thanks for listening.